At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is Bet Center on VSIN, the sports betting network. We welcome you back in. It is our final hour of VSIN Bet Center on a Saturday night, New Year's Day night from downtown Las Vegas at our Circus Sportsbook Studios. Back with Jeff Parles. I'm Ben Wilson. We're about to wrap things up in the Sugar Bowl, Jeff. Uh, probably time to turn out the lights on Ole Miss because in a game where somehow the Rebels got this game tied at 7 7, a 14 0 fourth quarter for the Baylor Bears. Capped off, we just saw a moment ago, Jerry Bohannon, two yard touchdown pass to Taekwon Thornton. 21-7, really the only thing here in question with the with the now 21 second half points. The second half total, Jeff, we discussed it. Got bet from 23 down to 21 and a half. This is going to be an interesting final seven minutes and 24 seconds. While, like Sweat we, it out. No, look, I mean, all it's going to take, I mean, Ole Miss goes four and out and Baylor kicks a field goal. At, like that's, that, that is all that would take to nuke those. But Baylor going to get there, laying 13 and a half live with heavy juice on the Baylor side. And, and in the end, this is the big storyline, though, from this, Jeff, that everyone's going to be talking about. Matt Corral's decision to play in this game. The Ole Miss quarterback, bad leg injury in the first quarter, goes out. Luke Altmeyer throws a pick six that starts the scoring. And despite Jerry Bohannon throwing for a grand total of 40 yards, Baylor, in the end, is likely going to coast here to a 21-7 victory. Again, still 7-24 to play. Baylor's 40 passing yards. That's, 40. That is correct. And they have 11, 11 first downs. And they're going to win a game by multiple touchdowns. Uh, just all you need to know. That is all you need. That is all you need to know. Uh, Abram Smith, by the way, congratulations. Baylor's uh, Baylor career rushing uh, leader in a single season. 21 for a buck, 56 tonight. He has been the real uh, MVP on the Baylor side. We still have a number of games, though, to get to here as we wrap up the show on the NFL Week 17 slate. As we go to uh, go to an interesting game here, Jeff, with, again, a number of these games with big playoff implications. At this point, though, for Washington, the football team just trying to play spoiler now after their uh, national embarrassment Sunday night in Dallas, giving up over 50 in that loss. They now return home, Jeff, hosting the Philadelphia Eagles. This line at one point was Philly minus three and a half on the road. Most shops market wide up to four and a half, and I've even seen one or two now, Jeff, touch five at this point with that total sitting right around 44 to half or 45. It was a horrific outing, and that probably doesn't really do it justice, how bad Washington looked last week. Philadelphia, after a very dismal first half against the Jake Fromm-led Giants at 3-3, pull away for that easy victory. Currently, uh, Philadelphia would be the seventh seed right now. And, uh, Jeff, the question becomes, is Washington, do we categorize them as just a dead dog at this point? Or do they have a little bit left uh, in the tank, do you think, under Ron Rivera to keep this thing interesting? The Antonio Gibson absence is really big. Because J.D. McKissick's on IR with a concussion. Jared Patterson's a nice story out of Buffalo. But you really need a run game if you're going to stay in this game. And Washington's just not going to have it here. Uh, and now... I'm not really interested in laying four and a half, five with Philadelphia on the road. I'm not really interested in that. 
Uh, this is one of those where I would throw Philly into a money line parlay. That would be the way I would play this game. I, I, I really don't see the Eagles losing this game. Washington, the one thing, look, we, we, we bashed the Giants earlier, and properly so. The Giants' defense has held up pretty reasonably this year. Washington's defense just isn't that good. It's just not that good, as we've seen. I know that point differential gets blown up a little bit because it got destroyed last when week. When you give up over 50, uh, that'll but, happen. But, uh, look, <laughs> yeah. uh, they're just that defense, I don't know if you recover from that, especially with guys coming to blows on the sidelines as well. Uh, so I, I like Philly to win the game. I'm not interested in laying the current number. Uh, and Washington, look, they had a nice run to get back in this thing, but when push comes to shove, they just weren't good enough this year. And the one thing, though, you look at Washington defensively, the one strength they have actually had is defending the run, which is basically what Philadelphia relies on. Eagles fourth rush offense this year, Washington 15th against the run, and they've been ninth on early downs defending the run as well, which leads me to, to believe, Jeff, that's really the, the line play will be big here, not really on both sides, but especially for Washington trying to shut down the run. Because you look at Jalen Hurts, I mean, the last five weeks now, he has been, and he's, you know, you would, I know you would argue he's been below average most of the year, but 19th out of the 32 uh, qualified quarterbacks in that CPOE metric. So he's basically, he hasn't been great, but he's at least figured out ways to be a little more efficient, protecting the football. And they, you would have to think, though, with Washington's strength being run defense, and we saw this happen in that weird Tuesday night game a couple weeks ago, he will be forced to rely a little bit more on his arm, I would think, than, than in maybe weeks past. Look, when Hurts, I'll give this for Hurts, he's, he's definitely earned the right to be the starter in Philadelphia next year. Uh, unless if... Unless if something happens with Deshaun Watson, and of course there's a lot of questions that got to get answered before Deshaun Watson can realistically play also, Ben. I, I, I would imagine Hurts, Hurts has earned the right to be the starter in Philly next year. And look, I, I, this is a pretty good matchup. It's a pretty good matchup, mm-hmm. all things considered, for Philadelphia. Uh, so, uh, look, uh, protect the football, win the game. Philly wins this game. It's going to be very hard for them to miss the playoffs at this rate. Fourth and four, by the way, for Ole Miss at the Baylor 30 as second half under betters start clutching objects in their near vicinity and they, they run, run the it. football. Yeah, uh, it is, depends well, on the spot. I think oh, they get, he gave him a great spot. I think he's short I by like the sh- nose of I, the football. I thought he was short it was by close, a half though. yard. Now he made a, he, and he made a little lunge pretty, at the pretty end. Pretty good effort at the end, but let's see. Uh, I think he got it that's based a first on that down. angle. That is a first down. I wow. thought he got it. What a, what a play. He gave him a two. They gave it to him. Five <laughs> minutes to go. Ole Miss just outside the red zone with a backup quarterback. Touchdown or any, well, it would have to be a touchdown. Nukes the second half under and gives Ole Miss, Ole Miss has all three timeouts, would at least give them some life as they take a deep shot. That's incomplete. This game has provided more, more of a sweat than I think we, I think we thought uh, with, with some of the twisted turns we've seen in the second half here, the Sugar Bowl with, uh, with Baylor and Ole Miss. Uh, let's transition as well. Get another game in here. Uh, Jeff, we'll go to your team. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, we have to do it. No, why Tampa not? Tampa Bay Buccaneers, New York Jets. And uh, the, for all of the, the teams, Jeff, that are, are getting a lot of points, there, there's been some market support actually for the New York Jets, largely because of all the injuries around the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You look at just uh, how bad are they have been, where you've got on just the defensive side alone, Sean Murphy bunting, cornerback on the COVID list, Jason Pierre-Paul, defensive end already ruled out with a shoulder injury, Jack Barrett all, already ruled out with a knee injury, Richard Sherman, doubtful with his Achilles injury uh, to return at the quarterback spot. So with that all being said, plus both the statuses of Mike Evans and Antonio Brown, 
very much up in the air coming into Sunday's game in New York. So market support, you're actually driving this down in some spots, Jeff, to, uh, in fact, behind us, enough money coming in to move this to just 12 and a half. Is that market support in your mind warranted when you consider all the parts that will either be missing or banged up for Tampa here in, in this spot against your four and 11. Well, well we're Jets. starting to see 13s and 13 and a half pop again. I, I think Tampa's the right side. As long as either Brown or Evans plays, one of them needs to play in order for Tampa to cover this game. I, I, I just look the Jets defense is horrible. The Jets defense has been horrible. Breaking news. So I, I don't see the Jets getting many stops in this game and, I look, uh, Zach Wilson played significantly better last week, but it was because he ran for 96 yards that made that's made his outing look a little better. Granted, he had no help, and the problem is for him, they're without the three best wide receivers again. Moore, Davis, Crowder, all likely to be out here. Yeah. Crowder, uh, Crowder's doubtful, doubtful. the other two right. are on IR, and Moore was not activated for this game. So uh, I, I just have a hard time seeing the Jets moving the ball unless if you get a scenario where Michael Carter's able to run for a lot of yards like he did a week ago. So I, I, I we put Tampa in the contest behind us at 12 and a half. I, I, uh, I like the Bucks to cover. As long as this doesn't get north of 14, I would still lay with Tampa. By the way, eighth sack of the night as Luke Altmaier gets pancaked Bumble. on a fourth and 10 free rushing blitzer up the middle. That will probably be all she wrote for Ole Miss. They do have three timeouts left, but now just uh, under the five minute mark to go in this game. And, Baylor gets the hold again up 21-7. You, you think you mentioned too, uh, like with the way the market has kind of gone here, not really like the whole, there's not like a ton of public support on, on the New York Jets, but there is this sense of like Tampa Bay hasn't really looked that convincing over this past stretch, especially with all of its guys out. You know, the one thing it's I, I found interesting with on the Tampa side, Jeff, we've, we've thought all year, like you just cannot run on Tampa. No matter what you do, you can't run on Tampa. And with the barrage of guys who have been out here, their, their rush defense is, has sort of been, I mean, it's still been very good. I mean, 11th overall, 17th defending early downs now over the last five weeks. So that part of their their rushing game, avoiding those those big runs or at least chunk runs on the first and second downs, it's at least made them seem like a human defensive rush unit. My only wonder on this game is for the Jets, you have to think you, you take the ball out of Zach Wilson's hands as much as you possibly can and get and get something established on yeah. the ground because that's been the one thing the Jets are doing well. 13th on the ground this year, 14th early downs last five weeks. That's got to be the formula, right, against a, a Bucks front line that has been susceptible here over the last few weeks. But you still, like, in the end, you're still not realistically going to run on Tampa even though the last few weeks have been better. Which so, is the, which is the so, interesting so like, back and so forth. So, like, it's just yeah. – it, it, I don't want to take the Jets in this game. The only the, the buy point would be 14 and a half. But even so, I mean, Tampa winning this game by three touchdowns, four touchdowns wouldn't shock me at all. 31, kind of like last week with Carolina, where Tampa didn't really even play well. Correct. But Carolina was so inept on offense that it didn't matter. At 32-6 again in play? Absolutely. 50 points the last two weeks for the New York Jets. Against Miami. And the Jaguars. Was there has, has there been a worse effort of defensive tackling on Zach Wilson's touchdown run than than we saw? We've seen all year. Okay. In what the, I, I, I what don't, the Jaguars did. I don't know did. about that. I mean, it was a pretty nice play by Wilson. There was one guy in the Jaguars who totally gave up on the play because he thought Wilson went out of bounds. But I enjoyed it. I well, I I enjoyed it I'm having Zach Wilson anytime touchdown last week oh, right okay. before the gun. See, I knew I called it last week. You were going to have a bet on that game that you would talk yourself into, and you did. 
And then you also would watch the Jets win and and I basically nuke any a, chance of a number one pick. I actually didn't have a problem with them winning that game. Well, it helps when you've got two top six. Picks, no right? problem with that. I guess that. Seattle, thank you. I don't know what I don't. I can't put myself in the mind of a Jets fan. Only only Jeff can do that. Can only us. go up at some point. Uh, that's uh, New at Year. Some point. New Year, 2022. <laughs> We've got more NFL games still to touch on. A few left to discuss before we wrap up. We'll also have our best bets coming up here on Vsin Bet Center. This is Beth Center on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. If you missed any part of our show or anything on the VSIN schedule today, don't forget to check out our free sports betting podcast. Catch replays of all our shows or download and listen on your schedule. Go to vsin.com slash podcast and get Beating the Book with Gil Alexander or Market Insights with Josh Applebaum. Plus, we've got Hardwood Handicappers, the Lombardi Line, Follow the Money, Coast to Coast Hoops, and many more. They're all free and available now at vcin.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. Coast to Coast Hoops, by the way, hosted by Greg Hoops Peterson, who is coming up next on the Greg Peterson Experience here right after we are done at the top of the next hour from 1 to 4 a.m. Eastern, getting you ready for your NFL Sunday. We've still got about 45 minutes to go, though, on our show. Back with Jeff Parles, Ben Wilson with you. Got Baylor football. They have uh, just gotten a first down up 21-7, 345 to go. Ole Miss now down to two timeouts. So this thing is is just about over. Uh, the only thing you're sweating here, the second half total betters under 21 and a half. We currently have 21 points on the board. So you just need to avoid a calamity. And you are good there. Baylor going to, uh, to cakewalk, though, home. Uh, anywhere from a pick to one and a half point underdog in that one. Uh, Jeff, we go to the afternoon window. Week 17 in the National Football League. Couple of... 405 Eastern kickoffs and a very interesting game here in the AFC West Denver and the LA Chargers Chargers who for my money I'm not sure if you, what you think of this statement the Chargers performance last week in Houston the single worst effort and outing by a NFL team throughout the first 16 weeks of this 2021 National Football League season there's three that stand out it's that one the Bengals losing to Mike White and Buffalo losing to Jacksonville those are the three in the running. Common denominator with all three, all road teams. But that was horrible from the Chargers last week. In a game where you win and it's going to be very hard for you to miss the playoffs, now you need help. Now you need help to make the playoffs. Outside looking in. My point on that is you're playing a Houston team without 18 starters. That was basically a glorified expansion roster to begin with. You let a team who would not rush for 100 yards all season do it at ease. And unlike the Cincinnati and Buffalo games, which were these tight back-and-forth affairs, that game was not really all that competitive. I mean, Houston moved the ball at will in that game and wins going away by double digits as a 15-point underdog in that spot. That's why my rationale is, is the way on, on the Chargers. But here they are coming back. They get a big break and that Denver has all sorts of COVID issues on its side, not to even mention Teddy Bridgewater out again with, with a concussion. But Jerry Judy already ruled out COVID list. Tim Patrick ruled out. COVID list, Cortland Sutton is questionable with an illness, but he was upgraded today. Sounds like he will give it a go, which is good news for Denver. But eight defensive starters are all on the COVID list or questionable. Headlined by Bradley Chubb, who has already been ruled out there on the COVID list as well. So this thing, Jeff, has gone up. It was six and a half at one point. We've seen a lot of seven and a halfs now in the market, and it continues to trend upwards with Drew Locke heading to L.A. But the question everybody wants to ask, how trustworthy is this Chargers team coming off of that performance we just described last week in Houston? Well, they get all the guys who missed the game for COVID back, which is big. So Guyton, Bosa, Eckler, 
Mike Williams, they're all back. That That's good news for the Chargers. Uh, remember, Denver pounded the Chargers the first go-around between these two teams. That was as bad as Herbert's looked all year in that game a mile high. Look, I, if this were... Denver, if Denver were at full strength, I would be inclined to bet Denver to cover and win the game outright. I actually would. As much as I like the Chargers this year, this just feels like that game against Kansas City that they lost, that they should have won, and everyone killed Brandon Staley for where it was not the decisions, it was the execution in that game that cost the Chargers to win against the Chiefs. And that would have been an AFC... They would have been the driver's seat to win the AFC West. And I also think that was one of those scenarios last week against Houston where one loss turned into two. And two losses might have turned into three. But Denver is no no players on defense. They're already Their depth already is a little bit questionable to begin with. So I just have a hard time seeing Denver being able to stay in this game. And also, too, like, Locke didn't turn the ball over last week, which leads me to believe that we'll see multiple <laughs> turnovers from Drew in this one. So... Seven and a half, I'm not really interested uh, either way. But, look, if you're the Chargers, if you win and Tennessee beats Miami you're and and Pittsburgh or or the Rams beat the Ravens and then you come here next week and beat the Raiders, which I think they will because I think that's the best matchup of anyone for the Chargers, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, they'll still manage to get in. And, Ben, their range, Gil and I talked about this earlier in the week on a numbers game, their range of possible results is the widest of anyone in the league. They are capable of beating anyone in the postseason. Heck, they could they could have very easily swept Kansas City this year. But they are also capable of losing to anyone by 30-plus in a playoff game, Ben. Like if we got a Titan Charger 2-7, I think our heads would just explode trying to figure. Like that game, Titans, that is the, Chargers is a 2-7? That would be the high, highest variance results Man. game, I think. Depend on if Derrick Henry plays. Right, and that's obviously a, a big Part of that, this was my favorite teaser leg of the week. It's why I was was waiting for that Wentz news to come out when it did. Pounce teased the Chargers down to minus one and a half with the Colts at one and a half as, as well in that spot. The only concern I would have with laying the full number at this point, now that especially now that you're up upwards here of, of seven and a half, eight now showing in a couple of spots, you, you would have to assume from Vic Fangio's perspective as Denver head coach what you said about Drew Locke and his propensity to turn the ball over. They avoided it last week that he will try to keep the ball out of his hands. And this is, remember, a Denver rushing attack that is eighth in, in rushing game offense on the season against a historically bad Charger rush defense, last in the league there, 30th on early downs. That is my only concern here, that Vic Fangio basically says, look, we are so undermanned in so many areas defensively. We've got to shorten this game as, as much as humanly possible, shorten possessions, pound the rock on, on a bad rush defense, and just try to suck the life out of this uh, out of this game and with that when you start getting into a you know multi-possession type spread up over seven that's where I do worry about laying an entire touchdown plus a half point there but I don't in the mar- betting market Jeff, I'm not sure that people are making enough of how much of a drop-off there is between Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater because Bridgewater's been framed as like a nice guy you like to you like to back him as an underdog everyone's throwing out that that number ad nauseum throughout the season but like Drew Locke this year EPA per play 49th out of 52 qualifying quarterbacks. Teddy Bridgewater, 11th. Pretty big, pretty big difference. That the CPOE, the completion percentage over expected. Drew Locke, 40th out of 52 qualifiers. Teddy Bridgewater, sixth. Bridgewater doesn't get many much credit for, or, or many accolades, but he is a a solid mid-tier to slightly above average NFL starter. It's and fine. Drew Locke is 
not among the worst of options you could possibly have in a game like this. Well, look, uh, for this one, again, one thing I will say, though, if you're for a defense you can get big plays off of, even though Locke, look, those numbers are bad and Locke is a big turnover guy, you can beat this Charger secondary. The problem is you might only have, you're going to have one legit pass catcher in this game because Judy and uh, and uh, Seems Patrick like an issue. are yeah. likely not going to be there with the COVID, with late leak COVID tests mm-hmm. being positive. So, I look, we'll see. Cortland Sutton, too, was also significantly better with Locke than he was has been at any point this year. Uh, with Bridgewater, so that is something right. to look at as well. One of those go go figure things, but yeah, some, sometimes it works out. Uh, speaking of that that team the Chargers just lost to, the Houston Texans, and you want to talk about sweats? If you are somebody who had the under four and a half win total on the Houston Texans, boy, are you now starting to worry <laughs> a little bit? Even though, like, I mean, the Texans are getting twelve or twelve and a half points in San Francisco this week. However, while San Francisco is not officially ruled out, Jimmy Garoppolo he remains doubtful to play this week leading us to believe it will be Trey Lance making the start as San Francisco comes in, your current sixth seed in the NFC. Jeff, can Davis Mills and this Houston Texans team do it again against a rookie quarterback that looked pretty overmatched the couple times we've seen him so far, albeit and his first career start in a very tough setting at a red-hot Arizona team in which they lost 17-10? So, look... This is a pretty good defense for Lance to actually play well against because he should be able to run for a lot of yards. The one thing I will say in this game, and, and as soon as the Garoppolo news broke, the only the only thing I have in pocket, and it won't be on my best bets because it's a stale number, mm-hmm. um, as I took 15 with Houston as soon as that news broke, assuming that would drop under the two touchdowns, and it did. It dropped to 13 probably about 10 minutes later. Um, Houston, the one concern I have with betting Houston now at 13, is this Houston capable of playing three straight competent games in a row? Which is what it would be. Because they beat Jacksonville and they beat the Chargers back-to-back. Now, the secondary for the 49ers, is there one big problem? Is there one issue defensively? Brandon Cooks will be back. They should be able to take advantage of it. I don't see Rex Burkhead going nuclear again like he did last week against the Chargers. But... Look, it's Trey Lance, and he's laying double digits in an NFL game. Like, that's, at this point in Trey Lance's career, that's tough to get behind. I'd only take Houston at the 13 now, Ben. Only two quarterbacks worse than Trey Lance, if you, you know, extrapolating it out to all the people who qualify based on the number of snaps he has taken in that completion percentage over expected metric. Taysom Hill and Cameron Newton, the only two worse. Surprise, Hill's worse than him. If, uh, Hill, we'll talk about that in the next segment. Hill has been horrible. And his New Orleans Saints are laying nearly a touchdown to the Carolina Panthers, which we will discuss next. By the way, Baylor with its 10th sack of the night to put the closing closing finish. And by the hook, the second half under gets there. 21-7, Baylor, your final score. Baylor, Sugar Bowl champions. Congrats to Dave Aranda and the Bears. We'll talk about our final couple games in two more games in a couple minutes. We'll have our best bets as well on the other side right here on VEASAN Bet Center. This is Beth Center on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network.
Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit vsin.com to check the current betting splits data. This new feature gives you insights on where the money and bets are moving for every game. You'll be able to see where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match. The public opinion data is available for money line over under and against the spread bets. Betting splits are another way. VSIN is here to make you a smarter, better year round. Check out today's betting splits for every game at vsin.com. As we welcome you back to VSIN Bet Center, it is a final in New Orleans, the Sugar Bowl. Baylor 21, Ole Miss 7 at under 60, and the under second half, uh, 21 and a half, just barely by the hook, stays under. As uh, we welcome you back again, Jeff Parles, Ben Wilson with you. Greg Peterson experience coming up next, uh, taking you from 1 to 4 a.m. on the East Coast as we prepare, Jeff, for our final few NFL games. We close the segment uh, comparing one Trey Lance to Taysom Hill and how just awful Hill and, and by extension, Cam Newton have been. Uh, maybe, I, maybe I undersold it earlier when we talked about that Giants-Bears game with Mike Glennon matching up against Andy Dalton. How about the Carolina-New Orleans matchup here of Sam Darnold going up against Taysom Hill, who is back and healthy, and Sam Darnold, who will get the start this week over the abysmal Cam Newton, who, is, uh, who has seen his short return spell in Carolina, Jeff, apparently end. And uh, we're seeing New Orleans, though, laying six and a half in the market. I guess a classic case of how can you be confident backing either side in a spot like this with the ridiculously awful quarterback play likely to be on display here? The easiest way to play this game is not to play it, Ben. (laughs) That's that's how I would look at this here. Look, New Orleans, Ben, New Orleans beats Carolina and Atlanta. San Francisco loses once. New Orleans makes the playoffs. As ridiculous as that is. So, look, it's just, uh, I'm not going to bet this game. This total is is comically low as well. Uh, Both the, look, I'm willing to give Taysom Hill a little bit of a chance here with Carolina missing guys this week on defense too. So, uh, but it, this is a no play in the end. Uh, good, good Godspeed to the person who has New Orleans in survive in the uh, circus survivor in the final oh. five. Even oh. though I will say I'd rather be the guy who has New Orleans than the guy who has Seattle. Who, which we'll get to that game later. Two 49ers selections this week. One Chargers. Uh, would I would I mean of all of those I actually would probably feel the best about the oh, Chargers. All these, all these games are in the late in the late window too. <laughs> that is really interesting for potential hedge opportunities. That there will there will really be nothing then in the early slate. That's a very good point, Jeff. So 49ers two, Saints one, Seahawks one, Chargers one. I, I would if I am Chris Piper, one dash one. I think I would be feeling the best about uh, the, the my Chargers selection. Now, obviously, we don't have the the, the matrix here of which entries those uh, those uh, contestants still have left. But I know you and you and Alexander on our morning show, a numbers game on Beeson. You guys have been doing throughout the last few weeks the intrinsic value updates. We're up over obviously we're now up over a million here, right? With the uh, the six million payout. So this, I mean, this becomes just fascinating. From a how do you handle the potential hedge slash money management aspect of this guaranteeing the most profit as possible as now we get into the seven figure valuation of your entry i'm not sure i would be able to keep myself together jeff if i was in this position just from a a, a mental standpoint but i'm not sure that i would and i get it you're getting you're getting the saints at home against sam darnold in the carolina offense i still would not be comfortable though despite uh, despite all that i mean these two teams 30th carolina 31st new orleans early down success on offense last five weeks 
the opposing defenses, which is why, if anything, even though it's a low total, that's the, the one place I would potentially look if maybe we get a fluky early score. Carolina, fifth running the ball, uh, defending the run on early downs, over the even with their guys out. That still has maintained for them, even despite their late season struggles. And the Saints have remained the number one team against that run on, on the early downs. So it's not like these quarterbacks are going to be able to just hand the ball off and say, all right, we're getting six, seven yards of play on, on first, second downs and keep ourselves out of these passing situations on third down. That's why it's the only place I would you know, look if you made me do it, but I, I'm not sure I would really want to be taking a survivor entry with that much at stake without a, a significant amount of hedging around depending on different outcomes here with the New Orleans Saints at home. That's all I'm saying. Look, I, the shoulders no, they got to let it ride. Look, look uh, of the entries left for Survivor, the two at San Francisco obviously had to take them, and you took the Niners. Uh, the Chargers entry, look, I, they if they can't beat the Broncos with all those guys on the COVID list, what are you going to do? You take your, you take your. Life. I actually look. I'd rather have the uh, New Orleans entry than uh, the Seahawks entry this week. That's all I'll say. I know it's Tim Boyle for Detroit, but I am in complete agreement. I have, I have a hard time seeing New Orleans, even with how rough their offense has been. I have a hard time seeing New Orleans blow in this game. I This could be a game where New Orleans' defense scores. Certainly, I, certainly, we've talked about this in the past with New Orleans, and for that matter, Carolina, on in spots that have looked favorable for them, the fact that they could potentially just win these games on the strength of their defenses alone. But I agree with you on the Seattle case, and even though it is Tim Boyle going in at quarterback with Jared Goff, uh, doubtful, expected to officially be ruled out uh, tomorrow morning, you have a Detroit team that since that bye week back in week nine, Jeff, six and one against the number. They've won two games. They've tied one in that stretch amongst uh, four losses. The, the game planning, though, around Tim Boyle has been nothing short of uh, just absolutely fascinating. Their game plan is either you're handing the ball off or you were throwing a pass no more than five yards down the field. And the way they've done it, like they have committed to it. They have been, they've been smart, actually, in the way they have used Tim Boyle as a quarterback. I mean, average depth of target. One of only uh, one of only three qualifying quarterbacks, Jeff, below six yards on the average depth of target. And why, like, you can't you can't blame Detroit for scheming that way when you have a a backup quarterback like him. But I mean, look, he was positive on the EPA per play last week. His his, his advanced numbers actually aren't horrible for a backup quarterback. But isn't this more, Jeff, just the the look on Seattle on the other side, a team that looks so decimated, so uninterested? And sure, you could make the case it's this is potentially Russell Wilson's last game at home in a Seahawk uniform, but a little bit different, right? Uh, that, that narrative thought than what we're going to talk about with Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, isn't it with his last home game on the Monday night spot? Just given how dead the Seattle team and how uninspired they have looked really for the back half of this year, two and five here in their so, last uh, seven. So here's what I'll say with this. this is a little bit different than the Roethlisberger one because we know like Ben's contract voids at the end of the year. We know he's not going to be there. Like he's just not going to be there. Um, for Seattle... Ben, they 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 were up ten going to the fourth quarter at home against Nick Foles, and blew the game outright. To against elim- Super Bowl champion quarterback, yeah, Nick to, Foles. to to yeah. Uh, to uh, eliminate themselves from the playoffs, even though it would have taken uh, uh, they were yeah, forty different things done. in order to get them in. Uh, look, I, I I would be concerned that Seattle just totally uh, gives up, and that's that. That would be my concern here, and look. Uh, I probably will end up betting Detroit. I'm curious to see if this moves up once uh, again. Boyle is going to start. Goff mm-hmm, is doubtful, right. but I'm curious to see if this touches eight. Not a big difference between seven and a half and eight, but I'm curious to see if that touches eight. And I'll probably buy at eight on Detroit. Ben, 
I am, and yes, with the fact that this is, that's a good point you make, that this is a late game, likely going to get a lot of Seahawk teaser money, money line parlay money coming in on Seattle. I'm not sure that, that many people want to actually lay the full seven and a half, but they were barely again, picked in, in, uh, in the millions. They were, but it, it is a Detroit team that the, the public is, uh, you know, you're looking at Detroit there in the running for the number one overall pick. You think about the one worry I would have, though, in a game that is expected to be the second or third uh, highest wind of any of the games tomorrow in the 12, 50-mile-an-hour range, 40-degree overcast will not be the winter wonderland that we saw, Jeff, last week in that Bears-Seahawks game. But, look, Seattle still, though, the one thing they have managed to consistently do well, even through all the issues they've had on and off the field, still a top-10 rush defense. Their defensive line has been really good. Uh, the, The ESPN... Pass, the run block and run stop, all of those different win rates. They are fourth defending the run in their run stop win rate. And, and Detroit, while their strength has been the offensive line, that has been something that's kind of slowly eroded over the course of the year. And it's something where you, you figure Detroit will have to keep the ball on the ground, get some offensive line push going. It's just on the road in Seattle. You could, I could see a path where Seattle's defensive line dominates the day. And then you get into Tim Boyle range. If all of a sudden he's got to start throwing passes downfield, which is not the outcome you want. That is my only concern. No, on they, the look, 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 that's a legitimate concern. And and look, after Detroit was trying to go in to beat the Falcons last week and Tim Boyle threw it to no one for the game. We, we, yes, we saw the uh, other side of that look, on Tim Boyle. Look, look, Tim Boyle's bad, but at least the Lions are willing to, on short throws, allow him to not find ways to turn the ball over. So, yeah. I look, I, I, I would probably take on Detroit. It wouldn't shock me if this just ends horribly and Seattle wins big. It wouldn't shock me. I wouldn't be shocked if I would like anybody who wants to take a sprinkle on Detroit money line. No issue with that at all. I mean, highest number you can get right now is, I mean, plus two ninety in some spots and you're probably going to get three to one uh, for sure on that, you know, the run block win rate. Detroit's actually been decent 13th this year. So, you know, they've held their own offensively. It's just, and again, uh, high Vita. He's on, on the COVID list coming one of their starters on the offensive line. We'll see how that that plays out coming into tomorrow. Uh, we still do have the Monday night game to preview. Talk about that old that old walk down narrative street there, Jeff Parles. Pittsburgh and Cleveland are Monday night game. Then we get to our best bets as we wrap things up. And week 17, and the thing is, it's not even the end of the regular season, Jeff. We got another week after. Still to go. Uh, so we have more of that coming up as we wrap up our first show of 2022 right here on VSIN Bet Center. is Beth Center on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. Save 50% off a VSN all access subscription for the rest of football season with our big game special. Get access to our in-depth matchup analysis, trends, and picks for every game and sport on the schedule, including our exclusive betting splits showing you where the money is going on every game. Sign up today and you'll also get our daily best bet emails. Weekly betting guides, 24-7 video, plus our all-new College Bowl betting guide covering every bowl game. There's only uh, two left now. Only 39 bucks at vcin.com slash subscribe. As it is our final segment on VEASAN Bet Center, big thanks to the entire crew behind the glass helping us out here at our downtown Las Vegas Circus Sportsbook Studios, headed up by our producer, Brian Ortega, uh, Dez, Matt, Nick, everybody else, uh, Mikhail, all involved in, uh, in the show tonight. Jeff Parles, I'm Ben Wilson. we got one more game to preview, Jeff. And then we go into our best bet. So Monday Night Football, Cleveland Browns, Pittsburgh Steelers, 
We are we are seeing the market here. It's been between three, three and a half, basically the whole week. As of right now, the majority of the numbers are on Cleveland, laying the three and a half. A couple of them are flat numbers. A couple are juiced uh, towards the Pittsburgh Steelers side of things. A couple of three and a half even monies like we are seeing behind us at Circa. The thing, Jeff, you have a Cleveland team that comes in like fifth best rushing offense in the league. Pittsburgh 30th defending the run. On paper, it seems like a very simple mismatch that Kevin Savansky and the Browns should be able to exploit, especially when you consider his quarterback, Baker Mayfield, single-handedly lost them the game last week and potentially ended their chances of making the playoffs with his four interceptions in Green Bay on Christmas night. Uh, at what, before we get into the whole Ben Roethlisberger side of this, what would your confidence level be on a scale of 1-10 that Kevin Stefanski not only understands that, but game plans this Monday night contest in a way that prevents Baker Mayfield from nuking any sort of advantage he's got on the offensive end? Because that, to me, is the bigger handicap than the whole Ben Roethlisberger emotional final home game angle. I'm not going to destroy Stefanski as much as others have over these last few weeks. Uh, it was particularly bad against Green Bay. And I will say this, though, if he had coached the Raider game, if he hadn't had COVID, I think Cleveland wins that game because I think he would have called the pass play for Mullins to roll him out and at least give yourself a chance. If not, all right, just fall down, take the sack. Uh, so I'm not going to – look, wasn't the greatest game plan to not keep rolling with Chubb the whole way, especially mm-hmm. when a field goal would have won it at the end. Uh, but look, uh, I'm – Pittsburgh's defense has been one of the bigger disappointments these last few weeks because there are so much there are so many elite players on that defense and they have just stunk the last six weeks or so. Uh, but with that said, and I know I could, I'm falling into the narrative trap here. Let's go. Pittsburgh go down win, the hole. Pittsburgh winning this game would not stun me one bit. If Roethlisberger and his what will likely look. Let's face it; these are probably the two final game of Ben Roethlisberger's career in the NFL. Period. Assuming they don't make the playoffs. I, I He's got one more performance in him. Even though he looks done, he probably is done. Uh, Najee Harris, I, I, Najee Harris is going to have to have the big game here. Make life easy on Roethlisberger early in this game. But look, in the end, I think Pittsburgh's going to end up covering the three and a half, Ben. I, it's going to end up in my account. I just want to see if, there's, if we get a four with the way we're seeing three and a half even on Pittsburgh. So that's why I haven't bet it yet. I'm going to see if we get a four. And if the market goes the other way, I'm going to get the three and a half before the hook disappears, which it could. But uh, I I wouldn't be shocked if Pittsburgh wins this game, Ben. And Cleveland just ends a season where they had no Mm. business missing the playoffs, and they end up under 500. We can finally crumple our Browns to the AFC North tickets plus 180. Uh, You saw the Steeler playoff scenarios from a moment ago. Let's add as well, not just the, the narrative on the Ben Roethlisberger side, but what has Pittsburgh been most of the year? I mean, they've won their last two games at home, each of them coming off of utter destructions on the road the previous week. And you had the one-point win over Baltimore. You had you have that win, which basically keeps you afloat and alive. Then you have the Tennessee game where you look dead in the water for a half on offense, but thanks to that three-turnover in 10-play in barrage that they forced – Gets them the win after being blown out. And I know they ended up having a chance to potentially tie that game late against Minnesota. But for two and a half quarters, that was an utter destruction, a demolition in Minnesota. And the Ravens game, as you remember from seeing the schedule here to kind of you know jostle your memory, after that Bengals loss where they were never in that game from the jump, it was a complete uh, destruction in that game as well. This has kind of been the way Pittsburgh has gone about this all year. And it's at seven, uh, seven and one here. 
that to me is more the narrative I would be I would be more willing to get, go down the rabbit hole and follow than just the odds. Big Ben's final game at home. It's going to be emotional. He's going to find a way because that to me isn't really like a logical way of actually getting yourself to a bet. But it's more of the Pittsburgh performances at home when their backs have been against the wall against these fellow playoff contenders within the AFC. That is more the angle I like here. And it's why at three and a half, it was a contest play for me in, in the in the contest using the circle lines. And I'm, I'm definitely with you on uh, on wanting to see where this thing goes from here. If we get to four, that is definitely not going to be a play. So we'll see we'll see where the line movement goes in that game. Uh, the As far as the injury concerns, really not a ton uh, as of yet. The one COVID list guy, Devin Bush, as well as Joe Schobert. So a couple of starting linebackers for Pittsburgh who are on the COVID list as of right now. Of course, this is a Monday night game. J.C. Treader questionable uh, with a knee injury, although for Cleveland, their center, he was upgraded to probable off of the COVID list. And then Miles Garrett, he'll be questionable with that groin injury limited in each of his first two days of practice. So I, that, that, is that going to make your, uh, did it make your best bets graphic, Jeff? That's the, my big question to you. No, nothing, uh, guess what? Nothing what? made my best bets graphic. Can we show the graphic of, of the of the nothing? Because I know we've done that before. <laughs> Do we have, Do we have a graphic of Jeff Parles with no bets? It would be great if we had it again. Look, it is just at this point, Ben. I am not going to give out oh, error. We got it. We got, we got it again. He knows but, nothing, but, but I'm not, he has nothing. <laughs> I'm not will. God, that is such a, such a crude cut out of my head. Uh, but, uh, but, uh, it's a great cut. Uh, no, it's awesome. Uh, for sure. But I uh, look, man, I just, with the COVID situation and I know this works both ways. I don't want to get caught on the wrong side of variance at this point. And we're up early enough. We can see how things are going now. I'll tell you what more than likely makes the account tomorrow, though. Baltimore is more than likely going to make the account. The Steelers are more than likely going to make the account. Those are the two. And also, of course, the only other place, and I don't like putting out numbers on these shows on Saturdays that don't exist. I did bet Houston getting the 15. I would consider it a 13. Let's see if that number goes up tomorrow. If it gets the two touchdowns, I would say, yeah, go ahead and bet Houston getting 14. But again, I don't. If I bet something earlier in the week that's stale now, I'm not going to put it on there to say, right. "Oh, go bet it," because it's a, next it's time a stale we, we'll just do the, the Veasan host lean special, and it's just just leans on like twenty. Games. Is there, actually, is there any any anything uh, anything that, that 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 was unanimous across the board this week? What is oh, on on all Veasan or uh, just in general across Cincinnati? Was it? <laughs> Basically, oh. I think Pete Futak was the only person who, uh, you know, at least in our Visa newsletter, Visa.com slash subscribe, by the way, who was giving out uh, Alabama minus 13 oh, and a half. Oh, I was talking NFL. Oh, no, I, 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 sorry. I, I should have I, I clarified. Alabama in the end, so. I should have clarified. Oh, everybody was, every, actually, everybody was on Michigan. Everybody was on, uh, yeah. everybody was yeah, basically well, on Michigan was Cincinnati. a disaster. I'm not, as far as our NFL, I'm not, I don't know. But as far as my plays, I do have, a, you know what, I this was going to go out on a limb, Jeff. Get a, get a couple plays here because we do have the Benny and the Betts graphic. Good. You can't leave the people hanging when you have the Benny and the Betts for the graphic. Really like the teaser this week. Colts and Chargers each down to a point and a half. And don't hate it right now, even with the way the lines have moved up. You can still get uh, the Colts. Actually, while we were do- previewing that game, Jeff, that game did drop down to eight behind us at Circus. You can tease the Raiders and Colts, get the Colts down to two. And the predominant line still is seven and a half in the Denver LA Chargers game. So you can essentially duplicate that teaser. Uh, no, no, no parley. Uh, I'm, I'm a big barley guy. You know, as being a guy from, from Wisconsin, love, love good tankards of Roll ale. Roll out the barrel. Roll out the barrel. 
And uh, with that little money line parley we got going on for, uh, I guess is that what? Because of Jeff Parlay, you know, nothing, uh, nothing for you. That's our way of uh, of making up for it. Normally, not a big money line parlay guy, but this late in the season, it's usually when I do get into it a little bit more. When you've got like massive, I mean, again, you know, not like I'm going out on a limb here with the Patriots money line, but huge money line favorite the Patriots threw the Packers in there with the Chiefs. I did that when the Chiefs were at four at minus two hundred. That way, it could basically drop this three-team money line parlay down to uh, close to a, a flat bet, minus or a minus 110 number. How about a minus 121 play? Pretty much a standard bet for me, almost thinking of that in kind of a pseudo-teaser range. Most of the teasers you can get in that either minus 120 or minus 125 juice. But as you mentioned, games that will likely be heading into one of my apps uh, tomorrow, if Baltimore gets to seven, that's going to be a mm-hmm. fire in the hole before mm-hmm. kickoff. Depending on the well, the Detroit is going to be a play. It just depends on on the the best number I can get. Mm-hmm. I actually could Arizona if that gets uh, up up above seven. That is also That's going intriguing. to be in consideration. Detroit, Detroit those, I'll probably end up betting too. But those three and then uh, Pittsburgh, kind of a tentative one. We will see yep. what we're feeling on Monday. So anyway, we'll do. There you it. go. New, New Year's uh, New Year's Day. It's in the books, Jeff. Have you won a bet yet in 2022? Yes. What was yes. Your first, what was your first winner? Uh, first winner was San Diego State against UNLV laying three. All right. There you that go. Was, bet against the home team. Bet, it, bet against the home team. That's our, I guess, our advice. Uh, we hope you have a great NFL Sunday. First NFL Sunday of 2022 for all of you. And we thank all of you for listening and watching us as well. Up next, though, it is the Greg Peterson experience taking you from 1 to 4 a.m. on the East Coast as we say so long. For Jeff, I'm Ben. We're done here on Beeson Bet Center.